Tell you what, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we read our passage. Father, we thank you for this time we have together, and we pray that you bless the reading and the preaching of your word. May you uh, just fill, fill my head and, and, and use my voice for your glory and honor, and, um, and I pray that those here who are listening uh, will uh, respond to your gospel message and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, children up to the age of three can go to the back at this time. And for us, we're going to turn to John chapter 21. And before I get started with the sermon, I just first of all want to thank everybody who's been praying for my brother, uh, neighbor Barone Jr. Uh, neighbor was burned in a fire a couple weeks ago at work, and he has pretty significant burns to his face and also to most of his back. And um, right now, uh, he is still in a, well, as of last night, he was still sedated and still uh, going through the healing process. And uh, they removed his intubation a couple of days ago, which was a good thing. And it seems like his body is healing, but it's just taking some time. And uh, we're not sure what, what kind of life he's going to have after he gets out of the hospital. We pray that he, you know, uh, completely heals and he's able to go back, even go back to work, because I, I know how much he enjoys to go back to work and get back to normal. Uh, but we're, we're praying for him, and I, I, I thank you for uh, reaching out and praying and asking how he's doing. Um, I, I really appreciate that, church. So um, for us, so we are in John chapter 21, and these are the last five verses of John. Uh, I was looking this morning, and uh, we've been in John since uh, April 20th, I believe, of 2019. So almost two years, which is not bad going through John. Um, there, there, there are some uh, preachers who go through John, and um, I think uh, Pastor Callie's in John. He's been maybe about five years or so, maybe five or six years. So going a little bit uh, slower than us, but uh, we've almost been there for two years. And I don't know about you guys, but it's been a blessing uh, for me. And I think today's message is it's extremely fitting through God's providence that uh, he provided this message for us today because it goes great with what we are celebrating today, uh, our risen Lord. So uh, let's look at John chapter 21, verses 20 through 25. It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that it is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Verse 25. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. All right, so um, a little bit of, of exaggeration at the very end of the verse, uh, at the very end of the chapter. I love that. John is just saying, hey, Jesus did a whole lot of other things other than what were written and uh, plenty of other things that, that, 
backed up what he claimed, that he was the son of God. And everything he did was for our faith so that we may believe. And, you know, I, that we need faith now. We need faith more than ever. Um, especially us as Christians, we're called to be a light in a dark place. And uh, we, need, we need faith to be able to, uh, to do that, to honor God with our lives and to combat the, uh, the enemy and the forces of darkness that live in this world. I don't know, maybe I'm getting older, but it seems like this world is getting darker. I, I just, it just seems that way. And, um, you know, but I remember people when I was a lot younger and I was hearing them talk and they were saying the same thing. But one thing we can agree is that uh, this, this trend that society is on, that the world is on, is not an upward trend spiritually. Uh, we know it's a downworld, uh, downworld spiral, right? So uh, we, we have to cling to Christ and continue to do what God has called us to do. And that's exactly what this verse is about. When Jesus left this earth and he ascended into heaven, he gifted the church. We know that. We, are all, we have all been brought together. We are his body. Uh, we're all different members of his body. That means we're all gifted differently so that we can fulfill God's purpose, and that's to glorify his name throughout this earth. So he gifted the church, and he called the church to do two things in, in general. He called us to wait and to work. Those are the things that we ought to do. That's what we're doing right now. We're waiting and we're working. Well, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the Lord's return, right? Uh, when Jesus rose from the grave, he promised the disciples, and in essence, he promised the whole church that he would come back for them. He would come back for us. So while we wait, we work. What do we work on? Well, we work on what Christ commanded Christians to work on. Uh, look at verse, or excuse me, look at Matthew 28. This is what Jesus commissioned us to work on. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is Jesus' final words to the disciples. And he said to them, verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's what we're called to do. If you're looking for purpose in life, this is your purpose. Your purpose is to wait and to work. Waiting is, again, not a passive thing. It's doing something. You're waiting with hope that the Lord will return. And you're working with hope, trusting that the Lord will provide. So as we wait and we work, um, there are some things that we have to remember. And this is exactly what Jesus' conversation with, with Peter is about. And, and what he said about John and, and what John is writing down here in this chapter. That's what it's all about. Notice in Matthew 28 that the promise from the Lord is that he will always be with us. Always. All the way to the end of the age. As we wait and as we work. Now, in between him leaving and him coming back, there's been a lot of things that have happened. There are a lot of things that will happen. Some things that have blessed humanity and provided faith for us, and then there are some things that have left us in despair. But no matter what, no matter what, regardless of what we face, no matter what our, our circumstances are like, we must not let that distract us from our ultimate purpose in life. And 
That's what we're going to dive in and I'm going to talk to you about today. Look at verses 20 to 22. Jesus says, what is it to you? See, our story today picks up where um, we left off last week. Peter, Jesus and Peter are having a conversation in front of the disciples. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Three different times. In essence, he was restoring Peter, but he was doing it in front of everybody. And at the very last question, the third question, it, it finally hurt Peter's feelings. You know, he was, he was disturbed by it because it kept on bringing back how he betrayed the Lord. So every time Peter asked him, or excuse me, every time Jesus asked Peter, uh, Peter would answer, you know I do. You know all things. You know that I love you. And every time Jesus asked Peter that question, he gave him a command. And the command was the same each, each time. Shepherd my flock. If you love me, then shepherd my flock. Jesus then tells Peter what kind of death he would die. Look at verse 18. Let's reread that one again so that we can get uh, an understanding of, of our verses today. Jesus tells Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. So in essence, Jesus tells Peter, you're going to be held captive and you're going to be executed. You're not going to die a natural death. And some theologians even believe that the reference to him with his hands stretched it signifies what kind of death he would die. He would die the same death that Jesus died. Except for Peter, when it came time for him to be crucified, this is church legend, but uh, he wanted to be crucified upside down because he, uh, he had betrayed the Lord. Those were his words. I have betrayed the Lord and I do not deserve to be uh, executed as he was. So here Jesus is revealing to Peter exactly what would happen to him. Then after this, Jesus commanded Peter to follow him. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, <laughs> you don't know what you're signing up for until you actually sign up for it. Jesus is warning Peter. He's, he's prophesying to Peter his ultimate end. But that shouldn't concern Peter. Not so much that it's going to require him to, or it's going to lead him away from Jesus. Jesus says, it doesn't matter what happens to you. I want you to follow me. That's, that's in essence, is what our purpose is. That applies to us here today as well. You know, there are a lot of people who have stopped following Christ because of something that has happened to them. They think that something is not fair. They think God is cruel because something has happened. They've suffered tragedy, whatever it is. There's never an excuse to stop following him. He told he, he warned us that in this world, we're going to have trouble. But despite the trouble we have, we need to cling to him. When we don't cling to him, that's when we get into trouble. That's when um, things get really, really bad. But here uh, with Peter, he says, you know, you need to focus on following me. And when he said this to Peter at the time, it, it had a twofold meaning. Number one, spiritually, you need to follow me. That was the same invitation that he gave to Peter when he first saw him. Come, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. But also... Not only was he talking spiritually, but he was actually talking physically. Come and follow me for a private discussion. Because that's what's happening here in verses 20 to 25. Jesus and Peter are walking along and they're having a private discussion. And while Peter and Jesus were walking, well, John decided he's going to follow. 
You know, he's, he's the one whom Jesus loved, right? He's the one that there was a special bond between Jesus and John. And for whatever reason, John wanted to know or wanted to see where uh, Peter and Jesus were going. So John followed them and Peter notices John and he asked Jesus what would come of John. They're walking along and, and Jesus just told Peter what's going to happen to him. And, you know, maybe he hears footsteps behind him. He turns around. And he's like, man, this dude, John's always around when I'm with Jesus. He won't leave me alone with him. Maybe, I don't know. But he's like, hey, what about John? Maybe Peter knew that there was a special bond between Jesus and, and John, and he, he wanted to know what would uh, happen to his fellow disciple. Well, Jesus replied in verse 22, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? You, you follow me. We have a problem sometimes of worrying too much about other people, right? What happens to other people, why it happens to them, why good things happen to them and bad things happen to you, you know, vice versa. If we will admit it, we all go through good and bad. But sometimes we're too focused on other people, their lives, their calling, what God has blessed them with, what God is doing with them. We're, we're too much focused on that and we're not focused enough on following Christ and what he has called us to. And hey, Peter's he's guilty of it, too. I mean, he's having this private conversation with Jesus and he's worried about John. That's a picture of us. That's a picture of us, us worrying about things that we should not worry about. So in other words, when Jesus tells uh, Peter, if it is my will that he remain until I come, he's basically and then he says, what is it to you? He's basically saying, that's none of your business. That's none of your business and you have enough to worry about. You need to focus on following me. So, you know, in life, you know, sometimes we think that it's a, it would be a good thing to find out what would happen in our life ahead, ahead of it happening so that we can prepare for it. Maybe some people would like that. I, I, I kind of at times I would like that because I'd like to I like to prepare myself for what's coming. Some people, they're different, different personalities. They'd rather just not know, and they're okay with that. But you know what? It's a blessing that we do not know what's going to happen in our life. It truly is. Because if we knew what, were, what was going to happen in our life, I wonder how much of us would, would even respond to the gospel message. Because a lot of times... And I think it's falsely done when it's done like this, but the gospel message is, 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 is basically presented as, as, as roses. Like, come, come, everything's going to be fixed. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to work out. Just come to the Lord. And don't ever promise anybody that. Jesus himself didn't say that. He just said, you follow me despite whatever has happening to you. That, that's the true Christian life. It's through struggle. It's through heartache. It's through tragedy. It's through all those things that we are called to follow him. But you see, when you make the gospel message sound like roses and you make it sound like you're going to be blessed beyond being blessed. I mean, who's not going to sign up for that? But what are people signing up for whenever that's presented? Are they signing up for the blessing or are they signing up for the one who's doing the blessing? Right. Who are they signing up for? Are they signing up for the Lord? Or for what they are promised that they're going to get? 
So it's a good thing that you and I, that we do not know what's going to happen in our lifetime. Because we might ask God for a refund if we did. See, people are consumed with controlling their own destiny. I battle with that all the time. I make plans in my head, and, I, and for some reason, I think, and, and it, never, and it never works out this way, but for some reason, I'll plan something, and I'll think, it's going to work out just like I planned it. It never does. Sometimes better, sometimes worse, but there's always a purpose. You see, we're always consumed. We're consumed with controlling our own destiny. People are consumed with equality and inclusivity. We want everybody to be treated the same way. We want every, so in essence, what we're saying to God is we want you to be fair with everybody. Everybody gets the same thing. Everybody gets the same piece of the pie. And if everybody has the same thing, then, then there will be no coveting. <laughs> That's not true. We'll find a way to sin one way or another. People want something for nothing. In society today, people just want stuff. They think they have the right to have it. People are expecting things for nothing. I, I know in this, uh, the, the children that are growing up today, that's happening more and more and more. As parents, we have to continue to teach them that you do not get something for nothing. It doesn't work that way. People want what they think is fair. In other words, they want the same privileges as everybody else. Here, Jesus teaches Peter a vital lesson about that, about life. And this is a lesson that we need to know as well. See, we as a church are the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ, but Jesus is the head. That's what we always have to remember. The body was made to serve and glorify the head, not the other way around. Classic passage about that is found in, Col in Colossians chapter 1. I'm, on, I'm going to read you Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Hopefully this will give you a, a wonderful perspective of, of how it's supposed to work. Who's in charge? Who's sovereign? Who's directing your life? Who's the one that's supposed to be doing the submitting? First, or not first Colossians, wow. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. This is speaking of Christ. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So that's everything, right? On heaven, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Everything that exists, even the things that you cannot see. All things were created by him. Rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. You are part of that. You were created by him, for him, and through him. So that means he has complete rule over your life. He doesn't need to ask your permission about it either. He is God. He is God alone. And it continues on. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That includes your life. Your life would be broken into pieces, you'd be falling apart 
if you didn't have him. That goes for those who don't even realize or reject him as Lord. If it weren't for him, they'd be dust. Continues on. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is Lord. See, what we need to be consumed about, we need to be consumed about following him. There are things that are going to happen in our life and they're not going to be fun. That's not news. I don't have to, you know, you're not shocked by that. But despite what happens to you, there's never an excuse to not follow him. People have been through some tough, tough things in the last two years. But those tough things, if we are in Christ, those tough things cause us to cling on tighter to him. Not the other way around. So we need to understand that it is the Lord's will that trumps all things. He even trumps Trump, right? I think some people need to hear that, amen? His will trumps all things. And he is the Lord of our lives. There's, there's no turning back. There's no refund that we get. What we got is what we get. A couple years ago, and I, I asked Jonah for his permission to share this, but a couple years ago, our family was at Fiesta, Texas. And Jonah kept on bothering me about getting on this ride. And most of y'all have probably gotten on it. It's called the Scream. It's that ride that just goes straight up. You stay suspended in the air, and then it just drops straight down. So Jonah's bugging me about getting on this ride. I've been on it. I don't like it. <laughs> I like rides. I love roller coasters. I like rides. I don't like the feeling of falling. That's just not a good feeling. But anyway, he kept on bugging me about it, and so I finally got on with him. And as we got on this ride, you know, he's, he's you know, confident, young, Man here, he's, he's like, hey, this is going to be fun. We strap in. There's another guy right next. I'm, I'm, on the, uh, I'm on the outside. Jonah's in the middle, and then there's another guy next to Jonah. And it's all cool. We're all talking. Our feet are dangling. The ride hasn't even gone up yet. Then all of a sudden, it starts to go up. And if you've been on that ride, what happens is that it goes up very slowly. And at first, it's nice. You're like, yeah, this is, this is cool. It's just going up very slowly. But something starts to happen towards the very top. You start to see the top of the structure. You start to look around. And all of a sudden, you're very, very high up there. That's when Jonah decides to change his mind. <laughs> I told him, son, it doesn't work that way. He's like, okay, Dad, no, no, no. I, I, I was just kidding. I don't want to get on it. I, 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 you know, he's just like hyperventilating. He doesn't know what to do. The poor guy on the other side, he's like, oh, my goodness. This kid's going to throw up on me or something. And I had to explain to Jonah, like, there is no coming down from this ride. We're going to do it. And then, you know, we drop down and we get to the bottom. And Jonah's like, oh, it wasn't so bad. But I share that because that, that's life in a sense. 
we start going along and, and things get really scary and it's like, that's not what I signed up for. I don't want to do this. I need to jump off. I need to jump out. I need to get out of here. There, there is no getting away from the Lord. We're stuck on this ride together. And let me tell you, the ending is not horrible. If we are in Christ, the ending is not horrible. It's a blessing. But along the way, through the good, the bad, and ugliness of life, we need to understand that it's his will. It's for his glory. In essence, it's more than about us. It's about him. So as we wait and as we work, we need to remember we must trust that he knows what's happening in our lives. And he is doing what's best for us. Even if it's difficult, it's best for us. Just trust that. One of my favorite verses here recently has been 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And we all go through different things. We're all struggling with different things. We, we don't have the same struggles, the same life, the same benefits. We don't have any of that as the same. But whatever we have, God's grace in it is sufficient for us. So that's really important as, as, as Peter is asking about John and Jesus answers him. But not only that, Jesus, he, he, as, as he's talking, he says something that's very important and it's misunderstood. Basically, what he's saying is, it's my will that will be done. And John, John records it as, let me turn back there for one second. When John writes it down, he basically says, this is what Jesus said, but among the brothers, among the church, this is what people thought he said. So it's, it's an odd passage that, that's here at the very end, and you start to wonder, what's going on? Why is John including this rumor, so to speak, here with this last conversation with Jesus? Well, here it is. It's very important. Look at verse 23. Verse 23 says, so the saying spread abroad among the brothers, that means among the church, that this disciple, meaning John, would not die. That he would not die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. Basically, Jesus said to Peter, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? I'm the one who controls that. Not you, Peter. When we look at John and Peter, there's a drastic difference in their life and what happened to them. Peter was executed around 65 AD. John didn't die until almost the end of the first century. Some people believe that John lived to 95 years old. And for that time period, that's pretty good. But even though John lived a long time, he suffered greatly. One thing, again, Tradition and church legend about John is that he was actually scheduled to be executed. They try to they try to boil him alive. Put him in a pot and try to boil him alive and, and it failed. And he was he was severely injured by that for the rest of his life. 
And after that, that's when they exiled him to Patmos, and that's where he spent his time. And that's when the Lord revealed himself to him, and the book of Revelation was written. But you would think, man, John lived a long time, and he just was completely blessed by that. Yeah, he was. He was blessed by those years, but those were years of both triumph and struggle. See, they both denied themselves and they both took up their crosses as Jesus commanded them to. But their crosses, the cross that they bore was different. Regardless of their sacrifices, their main objective was always Christ. See, there was no animosity between John and Peter. Not not here in this passage. Because sometimes it seems that way. It seems odd that John continues to bring up things about Peter, intimate things about Peter. Like, the first one to make it to the tomb. That seems like just a, a, a male competition thing. It's like, aha, I was faster than Peter. I beat Peter. And it just seems odd in, in the passage of why he brings it up. Not only that, but what we're talking about today, too, as well. That Peter was concerned about John. After he found out how he was going to die, he wanted to find out how John was going to die. Well, the whole reason he even mentions Peter, I, I think, is that John, John wants to take care of this horrendous and damaging rumor about himself that was plaguing the early church. Imagine the idol John could have been because he was the last disciple alive. People want to worship idols goes back all the way to the book of Exodus. They made the golden calf. They were trying to make an image of God. Just think of how the early church would have made an image of John. Right? To represent God because, yeah, he was the last one. He actually talked to Jesus. Imagine what maybe could have happened. And John, John didn't want anything to do with it. So he, mean, he mentions this whole thing about this rumor so that he can correct it with this gospel. See, this gospel was written after Peter's death and many had come to the understanding that Christ would not come back until, or in, excuse me, many had understood it that Christ would come back in John's lifetime. So as people were living and waiting, there was this rumor that started to spread that John would not die. He would live all the way to the resurrection. Well, what damage could that do? Imagine believers clinging to a man, clinging to John to sustain their faith. If they understood the rumor correctly, they would be looking at John. And they would be paying attention to his life And if something ever happened to John, then what would happen to their hope? Their hope would be lost. Imagine the Christians who actually believed this rumor. They believed that John would actually not die, that he would live until the coming of the resurrection. What would happen to them the day John died? They would sit there and think, the Lord's already returned. My hope is lost. So in essence, they, they were placing their hope in 
man. And John saw the sin this was. And so here he wants to make sure that all this is cleared up in this gospel. There was, Jesus did not say, I would not die. This is exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, what happens to people and in their life and when they die, that's up to me. He never said John would not taste death. See, the issue was that some had placed their hope in a man instead of God. And as I said before, for those who believe this rumor, John's death would have been devastating. That's a reminder for us that our hope should never be in man. See, this applies to us today because we, we sometimes we do that. We place our, our hope in man and not in God. Paul, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That is the responsibility of the religious leader, the Christian leader, to lead everyone in following Christ. The church shouldn't follow a man just because of the man. He, they should follow the man because he's following Christ. If your elder your, your, or your pastor is following Christ, that's, that's what you need. That's what you should require of him. See, for us to place our hope in anything but the Lord is a sin. Now, you say, well, we really, do we really have a problem with that? Yeah, we do. In this world that we live in, we, we just had the election. That was the most important thing that could ever happen, right? If we don't get this right, everything is over with, right? I don't know what kind of voice that is, but. <laughs> but yeah, it's like everything hinges on this election, if, if we lose, if the Christians lose, all hope is lost. No. Our, our faith is not in our president. He's a man. He's going to make mistakes. Our faith is not in our president. Our faith is not in our government. Our faith is not in our spiritual leaders. Our faith, and listen to this very carefully, our faith is not in, our, in the patriarchs and matriarchs of our family. All right, because what happens to a family sometimes when the patriarch or the matriarch dies? They go to be with the Lord, beautiful Christian husband and, and, and wife, father and mother, raise their children under the discipline of the Lord their whole lives, Patriarch and matriarch die. Kids don't go to church anymore. Who did they place their faith in? The faith, our faith, is in Christ and Christ alone. So as we wait and as we work, we must trust that the Lord himself is enough. It's enough. And he, he himself, he will provide everything we need for life and godliness.
We need to remember that. And then lastly, verses 24 and 25. Love how John ends this, even though he's already said what the purpose of this book is. He ends it by his own type of signature here. He reassures us that what he saw in his lifetime and what he heard Jesus say was true. He, he wants us to know that. And let me tell you, this is of utmost importance. When, jo- when John says, look, it was me who, who witnessed these things and it was me who wrote all this down. And, and, and he even acknowledges, man, there's other things that, that happen and I, I don't have room to write everything that Jesus did, but what you have here is what you need for your faith. Why? Because this is what God has provided for you. This is what he's provided for you. He says, what I've written down is completely true. If we read the pages of John and we get to the very end and we do not believe it's true, we've read it in vain. We have an eyewitness who says, I saw Jesus, I heard him. He professed to be the son of God and I am a witness that he was the son of God. And since I am a witness of that, here's what he said, this is what he did, and this is what he's commanding of you. See, if John's testimony is true, then that has serious implications for us as we wait and as we work. If John's testimony is true, and it is, then that means that Jesus is God. If, or excuse me, if John's testimony is true, that means that Jesus is the Son of God. And if he is the Son of God, then that means that Jesus is God. And his word is divine. It's, it's divine. It has sovereign authority because it is God-breathed. It comes from God himself. It's a message to God's people. And if his word is divine, then that means it is supreme. And if his word is supreme, then that means his words or his word is binding for us. That is extremely important in the world, in the world today. Because this world has a problem. This world does not want a Lord. This world wants to govern itself. This world wants to be a God unto itself. This world does not want to answer to anybody. Well, we're not, we're not of the world. We're his church. And if we believe what John has spoken, then we must believe that his word is supreme and it is binding. See, that's extremely important because there are some churches who are in a state of sin, egregious and awful sin. You ask yourself, how in the world does a church hire a homosexual pastor? Scripture is clear 
And I know I, I feel reactions from people like, ooh, he, he went there. Hey, it's all right. It, it's the word. This is what God has commanded us. But I, So how do you get there? You get there by not putting yourself under the word. You get there by going against the word. You get there by selecting what in the word you want to follow and what you don't want to follow. God's word is supreme in our lives. I'll even go a little further. This one's even a little bit more touchier. Women pastors, how does the church get there? Bible is very, again, I, I see it, I feel it. Bible's clear about that. Very clear about that. You see, I'm okay standing on what God has commanded. I'm okay with that. I'll defend that because that's what we have been called to do. Does it hurt people's feelings? Sure it does. The gospel hurt my feelings the first time I heard it and understood it. We can go on. How about pastors who are womanizers? Yeah, that happens in churches all the time. The congregation knows about it. The pastor's just having relations with women in the church, and everybody's like, oh, just turn, turn the eye. How does the church not kick that guy out? See, Scripture, for many, is not the Word of God. It's just a guide. We need to remember, as John said, I witness these things. This is what Jesus did, and this is what he said. And it's completely true, all of it. Well, there's implications for that. If it's true, then his word is God-breathed. And it's a command for us to follow. It's not only a guide. It is our ultimate authority. And that's what's going to divide his true church from his false church. The authority of the word and how we ourselves humble ourselves and put ourselves under that authority. That is the difference between a true church and a false church. And we're even warned about this. Let me give you this warning here. Out of 2 Timothy, Pastor Laramie reminded me of this yesterday when he read this at our men's breakfast. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. The things that I just said right now, in many churches, that would have caused people to leave. They're like, this guy, he's full of hate. He doesn't, he, he's not considerate of other people. He has a hateful message. And then they, they would have they left. They won't endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Verse 4. 
and in turn, or, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. What are myths? Sinful behavior. It's, it's doing what I want to do. Doing what I think is right. Living life according to my truth. As we wait and as we work, that's not the way it works. As we wait and, it, and as, as we work until the Lord returns, we must seek the Lord in his word. And not only that, we must acknowledge that his word is our ultimate authority. There, there, when things are clear in scripture, there is no, yeah, I see that, but there's none of that. It's either obeying or not. So as we wait and as we work, we have a lot of things that we need to consider. And as I said, I think this is a God and his providence provided this sermon as he does every single week. But this one, just perfect timing, because right now we, we are looking at and celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. And we need to know that as we wait and as we work, there are things for us to do, things that need to be done. We need to trust that he knows what's happening in our lives and that what's happening in our lives is what we need. We also need to know that we must trust the Lord and we must trust that he himself is enough to give us what we need for life and for godliness And as we wait and as we work, we must seek the Lord in his word and acknowledge that his word is our ultimate authority. As our praise and worship team comes up here to lead us in our final song, uh, this will be a time of reflection and prayer for everyone. If you would like to come up to praise,